Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Karate Chop Bullying. We're kicking it off again with Tim Flynn, the founder of our little movement. Hey, Tim. Hello, Bruce. How are you doing today? Apparently, I'm tongue-tied. How about yourself? I, I have those days as well, tongue-tied, but I'm doing just fine. So, Bruce, we know why I'm here hosting this podcast. Why are you co-hosting this podcast with me? What's your experience with bullying? Why am I here? Isn't that the great question we all ask ourselves? I went through a large amount of bullying through my life because after all, I was a heavy, asthmatic, non-athletic kid. So from the time that I was entering school, I was basically pushed around and bullied. I was beaten up outside of my home. There were kids in the neighborhood. I was, I tended to be the whipping boy. I also lived in an Irish Catholic neighborhood as a Jew and they were not very accepting of me. So I got a lot of bullying on that. And not only that, but oftentimes I was a little bit tortured by some of their parents. Hold on, wait, the Irish Catholic parents were bullying you? Yes. For example, I had a neighbor who would love to say, look at how handsome my son is. Look how fat and ugly Debbie's kid is. Wow. Along with directly blaming me for the death of Christ. It's stuff like that. And it didn't matter what their kids did because they were all nice Catholic boys. Of course. Not to make this about religion. That was part of my being bullied. As I went into junior high school, I, I sort of sat between the nerds and the kids who nobody liked and also the regular kids. One of the kids, let's call him K, his initial, not naming names. K decided he wanted to try to get popular and he, he decided to do that by picking on me. And what ended up happening is in sixth grade, we were best friends. And in fact, one time we went over his house and my mother was there with his mother and they seemed to really hit it off. And his mother didn't have that many friends. Then suddenly I began getting crank phone calls and they would hang up on me. Then he called me and blamed me for crank calling. Then one day his mother called me up, called me a filthy Jew, said Hitler had the right idea and that I was going to burn in hell because I was absolutely a bad person. To clarify, you are in sixth grade? I'm 11 years old, Tim. Okay. An adult telling you you're going to die or burn in hell? Going to burn in hell. Hitler had the right idea. Wow. Someone who wanted to be friends with my mother. My mother did not react positively to this turn of events. She called up this lady, asked her what the hell she thought she was doing calling me like this. Who was she to talk to me like that? And she was like, well, he's been crank calling me. My, my mother was like, first off, no, he hasn't. We've been getting crank calls. Second off, even if that was the case, where do you get off speaking to my child like that? You call him again, I will come over to your house and stab you. Now, my mom meant that. So I never heard from this woman again, but her son began attacking me at school. Not only that, they moved him from another class after this started happening into my class so he could be closer to me. His mother requested that. And then she called the disciplinarian who told them that I threatened her son. So I was called to the disciplinarian's office and told if I touched him, I would be expelled. So I was exposed to bullying and the school itself was facilitating it. And then when I complained to the disciplinarian, this is what they were doing. They were jumping me. There was like a bunch of them. He got several friends and they would jump me and they would say things and they would beat me up. What the disciplinarian told me to do was smile and laugh at them. They'll get bored. Showing just how abjectly unqualified this moron was for his position. I eventually began hurting myself, 
feigning being beat up and going home like with torn clothes, bruises, so that I didn't have to go to school. Eventually, I just stopped going to school and I left school in seventh grade. Okay. Because of how bad the bullying was. I told my mom I was getting suicidal because I wanted her to take things seriously. I never truly was suicidal. It was a call for help. Eventually, what happened, a couple things happened. After I left school, I was still being bullied in my neighborhood. And my method for dealing with it was I basically one day decided to fight every kid in the neighborhood, win or lose. I figured if I did that, I probably would get beat up a lot. But they also may stop picking on me because I'd be too much trouble. And that's what happened. Now I wasn't getting physically picked on. The bullying stopped to some degree. And then around 15 years old, I got into metal music. And suddenly all of these people became a bit of afraid of me, which was hilarious. I was the same kid, but the satanic panic was going on. And suddenly I liked Black Sabbath. And that seemed to make a difference. And I leaned into that with these people. It kept them off balance. And that left me alone. And so I didn't have to fight with anybody. I didn't get picked on. And I also, during this period of time, was growing my confidence. So ultimately, once I entered um, my early 20s and I found acting and performing and music, I had a degree of confidence so people really wouldn't pick on me anymore. But it took a long time. So you mentioned that you regained your confidence after school, correct? The effects that bullying had on me is even though I had very positive attributes that I was aware that I had, my confidence was at a zero. I wasn't able to talk to girls until I was about 23, 24 years old because of this. I thought I was hideous. I thought I was ugly. My entire self-worth to this day is tied almost completely to my weight, despite the fact that I'm a reasonably attractive person. I logically know this. And when I'm thinner, much more so. But all of my self-esteem is tied into my weight. Even today, it took a lot of time and effort to dig that out of my head. And even with all that time and effort, the root of it is still there. No matter what, behind these eyes, I will always be a 280-pound 11-year-old kid. That's what drives the machinery of Bruce. And no matter what I do, no matter how much I try to dig that out, it is such a core tenet because those early experiences shape you in ways that something that happens to you when you're 20 or 30 doesn't. But yeah, so, so for me... I learned to walk around with an air of confidence and also another skill that I developed was walking around as if I had a degree of authority. When you talk to me about things, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, even if I have no clue. So you stand tall, make eye contact. You make eye contact. Speak clearly. Smile. Try to be kind in your voice. Show a little bit of humor. Nothing buys you more in this world than having a good sense of humor. I had a lady tell me one time that you shouldn't have to smile to be confident. I'm like, that's true, but it does help. And when you smile, people are more likely to want to come up and talk to you versus if you're going to have... Um, Resting bitch face? Yes, RBFs. That's what I was trying to think of, RBFs. Smiling does help your confidence out. Or even if you don't feel confident, smiling, that simple thing you can do, will at least make you appear confident. It's a certain degree of social lubrication if you come off as warm, friendly, approachable. That doesn't mean you've got to be a pushover. That doesn't mean you have to be telling jokes all the time. It just means that you're putting off welcoming vibes. And it's helpful. Sometimes 
you feel awkward, you don't know how to talk to people, you know, you always think to yourself, if I could go back and say to young me, what would I say? And it would be, you don't have to be afraid of girls. Don't think of them as anything other than other people. Everything is just other people and treat everybody the way you would like to. Friendly, warm, and just, you get a lot more just by smiling. Exactly. There's going to be people out there that are not going to accept that. And that's fine. Let them be. Don't let them bother you. If somebody doesn't value you, respect you, that is not your problem. That is their problem. The important thing to realize is that you have value and your value is not based on anything that anybody else perceives. If you're out there and there's somebody at your work or at your school who treats you like you're valueless, they're telling you who they are. You don't need to win them. You don't need to give them any attention. You don't need to be concerned about them. There are people out there to care about you and support you, and you can find them. So I'm a very introverted person. Like for me, I cannot just come up with a way to strike a conversation with somebody I don't know. But when I go do my seminars, what helps me out is I bring a piece of my school with me. I have a big backdrop, you know, K.O. Christ behind my name. I feel like I'm at home again, if that makes sense. You also have context. You have a context to be talking to people, and that makes a big difference. So when you see somebody that you don't really know, I can't speak for what's in your head. I can speak for what, what certainly was in mine as a kid. What right do I have to interrupt this person's day or life? Why am I doing this to them? Why am I inflicting myself on this person? That's the noise in my head. But generally speaking, if you just go up to somebody and say hello, the worst thing that's going to happen, you're going to be like, oh, hey, or I'm busy. I get that. What's a follow up? What's a follow up? Oh, hey, what's your name? Bob, nice to meet you, Bob. I'm Tim. And then awkward silence. <laughs> right. Well, you know, so I was incredibly introverted. Nobody believes that. Everybody believes how the hell were you introverted? Yeah, I don't believe it either. You're seeing the end result of a lot of direct training of myself, intention and purpose. I didn't become an actor because I wanted to act. I became an actor because I was dating a girl who I happened to fall into dating. And I always figured if I broke up with her, I was going to die alone. I had to figure out how I was going to be able to talk to somebody. I learned that if I wanted my life to be more interactive, if I wanted to get people to respond to me, I was going to have to learn how to bridge the gap. So I did some things. Probably the best piece of advice I can give somebody who's like incredibly shy, who feels like they have difficulty bridging. One of the best things I ever did for myself is I took an improv class. Not to become a comedian, but by taking the improv class, what it taught me was how to think on my feet, how to be humorous, to a certain degree, because humor is the greatest social lubrication. You make somebody laugh, they're your friend. You don't have to have that much of a context to talk to the person. I try to be observant, genuinely curious, so you can combat that introvertedness by just being generally curious about something unique about them. And the less physical it is, the better off you are. You don't want anyone to come up to you and go, hey, Tim, I noticed that you're big. Big in which way, Bruce? <laughs> in every way possible, big boy. But no, if somebody comes up to you, it's like, Kato Karate, what form? Instantly the ice is broken. Oh, well, I practice this form. There's a common basis you can build a conversation on. 
No one's going to stab you because you went up. Hi, I noticed you've got this really cool karate t-shirt on. What forms do you do? You find like little moments and that can help you because it gives you the context. The whole idea of this, I'm invading the space. I, I do not have the permission. You find something you can use as context. If you're introverted, it's still going to be an effort of will to push against it because you're going to always want a wallflower. Even now, my instinct is to wallflower. So to tie this back into bullying, the benefit of making an effort, even if it's a force of will, to learn to push past your introvertedness is part of what happens in bullying is that isolation. It's a lot harder to isolate you if you're good at improv and you can roll with the punches and you can make things humorous. It's hard to isolate you when you can reach out and talk to other people. It's hard to isolate you when you are flexible of thought. I think you covered it all, Bruce. There's not much more to follow up with that. If you got people behind your back, what's there to worry about? You have people to turn to. And speaking of things to turn to, I think it's about time we turn to our guests and get off of talking about me. Joining us now is Elizabeth Mooney, the founder of Country Fusion and Dance Fitness for Kids. Elizabeth, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Tim? I'm doing excellent, Bruce, as always, of course. <laughs> I'm really excited, though. I am super excited to hear about this country fusion and line dancing for kids and how you're making it into an anti-bullying program later on. But to start, tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I started dancing at the age of two. I'm from Long Island, New York. Born and raised, and I've been into the fitness industry since my early 20s, and I performed, acted my whole life. How did you get into the fitness industry? So, good question. Um, my ex-husband at the time was working out at a gym Saturday mornings, so I went with him, and the manager there is like, what do you do? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a dancer. He's like, well, why don't you teach fitness classes? I'm like, I don't know like, what to do with the fitness classes. He's like, you'll figure it out. So I said, okay. So at that time, I was teaching salsa, Latin, hip-hop. So I had a fitness class, and I just sped up the music to make it a little more fitness-wise to get them breaking out of sweat. And I went from three people, a brand-new class, to about 30 people. It was packed to one class a week to about 15 teaching all over and fitness found me. So is Country Fusion like a national brand that you started or is it just like local in Nashville? So it's everywhere. So I, I got into the fitness industry and I was teaching dance. I was also performing at the time, but I used to go to a dude ranch since I was six years old in upstate New York. So that week I played country. I would dance with the cowboys and ride horses and listen to cowboy music and country music and everything. When, as I got older, I, Jason Aldean, Luke Bryan, all these songs started coming out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put a couple of these songs in my dance fitness class in Queens. And I choreographed a cute little dance to them. And then when I was teaching in the class, I saw everyone was loving it. In that moment, I remember I looked to the left, I saw the Manhattan skyline, and I was like, that's it. There's no country fitness program out there. 
from me being in the industry for so long, I knew I wanted low intensity interval training. And I knew I wanted a program where people could get more than just working out. I wanted them to learn something because I know I don't have a lot of time. So if I'm going to put time in, I want to get the most I can out of it. I wanted them to learn actual line dances, but in a fitness form. So I put the programs together and I say it's where sneakers and water bottles meets whiskey and cowboy boots. What they learn in the class, they take to the honky tonks that night. Um, So I just really wanted to make it for everybody. So children, seniors, everyone in between, men, women. Right. But I want to circle this back towards the uh, focus of this podcast, which is bullying and the way we deal and process it and the effect it has on our lives. Mm-hmm. So uh, my first question to you about that is, as a child, did you have any experience with bullying or was this something you encountered just after you got into your fitness business and moved your way into Nashville? As a child, I really didn't. I always um, faced hardship in the way of like more of jealousy. And um, like I remember actually in high school, I can't I'm going to talk about this. I was a senior it was my first week of high school, and part of me, if I'm, you know, saying anything that maybe is too much, but this is what happened. So I, I entered high school, and I was getting attention from the seniors, and um, I was on the volleyball team. And when I went outside to go to the bus, on the concrete was written, Liz Mooney has fake tits. And mind you, I'm a kid. And there was nothing there. <laughs> there was nothing. And um, so that was really hurtful. And I remember my whole volleyball team scrubbed that out. So that was what I encountered. And Was that a one-time occurrence? Yeah, that was a one-time occurrence with that. But I remember that, that was my first week in high school. I didn't want to tell anyone. Like, I didn't want my mom knowing or anyone knowing. I was, you know, I was embarrassed, but I, I saw the efforts of my volleyball team to scrub it out, and um, and I didn't really understand why, nor did I know who, who did it. So through that, I, I definitely encountered jealousy in my life and people more that wanted to take me down, not so much bullying. It really, the bullying started when it came to Nashville in my adulthood. And we will get to that. I, I did want to ask another question in the follow-up. You've said that you dealt with a lot of jealousy and a lot of negativity. Did you have parental support through it? I didn't tell my parents a lot. I felt like, I don't know, I kind of felt like I was always in it on my own. I felt like it was always like me against the world. So no, no one really, no one really knew anything. I really didn't feel like I had anyone to really talk to about it. So it all started when you moved to Nashville. You were successful in New York. What happened? How did bullying or harassment enter into your world? Um, It was something I didn't expect at all because it was already hard enough. I left my family what I knew up north. And I'm a single mom coming here, starting this business. I went out to show face. So I would go out dancing. There's a nearby honky-tonk. Mostly the older women... They did not take to me. They didn't like me. They thought I was going to steal their man. They called me a Yankee. They were so hateful and mean to the point where, like, I literally, when I would go there, I would walk in the door and people would say they would watch me. I would scan the room to see who was there just so I knew to watch my back. 
you know, I danced, I did my thing, but they all were very, um, I could feel how much they didn't like me. And most of these people I've never spoken to a day in my life. And here I am, I'm about positivity and, and spreading love and help. And I, I just, I, I knew it was jealousy and I knew they didn't like that. I was a dancer from New York. But I just was never expecting that. Were these women dancers as well? No. They just didn't like you because they thought you looked better than them. Yeah, and they thought like I was gonna steal their man. When meanwhile, I don't want your man. One even got in my face one time. I'm not one to back down, but I do have a brand. I am a mom, you know, and, and the owner of the bar had to kick her out, but she was in my face. And I mean, older women, I mean, like, I'm in my 30s. She must be, like, in her 60s. So did this spread to outside of the club as well? It was mostly there. It was mostly there. And, like, why I even went there was because how I found my studio was through the owner of it. So I, um, through people, I got connected to this area of Nashville and I went there. It was during COVID. I met the owner and then he's like, well, I told him what I was going to do while I was in Nashville looking for a studio. So he's like, there's a whole strip right here. So I found the studio. So he was really the only person I knew. So I felt like, um, a comfort, like a, you know, like a dad kind of in a way. I didn't have anyone. So when I would do the back and forth and come there, the people I knew were there. So there were some good people too, and they were my comfort. I didn't know anyone else. Did you ever confront any of these women? Did you ever do anything to try to deal with it? Did you ask for intervention from the owner? So with the owner, I said, did you know that I was going to deal with this coming here? And he was like, yes. I'm like, you knew this. He's like, I knew you were, you were going to cause a stir. And I'm like, why didn't you prep me? Why didn't you give me a heads up? Because I was not expecting this. But confronting them, no. But as time went on, Bruce, I did. But it took time. At that moment, I was still new. I was trying to keep the peace. I don't like drama. But it was like they were out for me. I, I just, I didn't even stay there long when I go there. I just popped in, danced, showed face. Did my thing dancing and left, and that was it. It wasn't until this past August was when everything got really bad. And that's when I started standing up for myself. In what regards did it get really bad? So every year I'll do like a photo shoot for my brand because, you know, as I get older and evolve, I want to keep up with where I'm at in my life. And I asked the owner, I said, can I do a photo shoot? by the pool table because I wanted where New York burlesque dancing met the honky tonk. So New York meets Nashville. And he's like, yeah, sure. That would be great. So I did the photo shoot. Everything was fine. I said to him, I said, any of the photos that come, I'll tag you and the place, the venue to promote. Because in New York, I, I grew up like you tag everyone. You tag the photographer, the makeup artist, everybody. But he said, okay, great. So when they came in, I went on vacation and I put on my Facebook story, the photo and a song and I tagged him in the venue. Well, I got a call the next day. I was taking my daughter to the beach 
and there was a problem. And the problem was that I tagged a married man. It caused a big stir that the daughter was upset, the wife is mad, and now everyone's on board. And I just couldn't understand because it was just one business tagging another, had nothing to do. And it was a professional photo shoot. I just, I couldn't understand. So I contacted the owner and I said, I heard what happened. Please extend my apologies. That was never my intent. I'm going to take it down. When I got back, I said, I'm just going to, you know, stay away from bed. I thought I was just going to blow over. Well, it didn't. I was banned for six months. And then by this woman who was really, really hateful of me. And I, again, I never spoke to her before. So you were banned from going to this club by this woman. Who was this woman? It, it was the owner's wife. Ah, okay. And then she was still talking about it. And this woman that was there, she caused a lot of problems. She didn't like me from the beginning. And I'd never spoken to her before. She put the picture of me, she screenshot it. She got it from somebody. And she put on Facebook and called me a Yankee whore. At that point, now it got out of hand because, I mean, I'm a single mom. I work really hard. That was not my intent. And now this is going to affect my daughter. Did it affect your daughter? No, because I right away, I went into the honky tonk at that point because, mind you, my studio is nearby. And when I saw everything, I was in my studio. So I contacted the wife and I said, this is getting out of hand. This is now going to social media. I have a face, I have a brand, and it's going to affect my daughter. I, and then she wasn't answering me. So I walked into the honky tonk and she went out the back door, the wife. She wouldn't confront me or talk to me. So what's the timeline here we are talking about? Like from the time you posted that picture, when they screenshotted it, to the time you're going back into the bar? Three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. Three weeks. And then I see the daughter. This is where I learned I was banned because I didn't know. I was just staying away, you know, just trying to keep the peace. And then when I went there to talk to the wife and end up talking to the daughter, the security is like, honey, I'm sorry to tell you, you're banned. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, you know what? I don't even care what I care about. I'm like, you guys to talk, be however you want to be to me in here. But once you put on social media, I said, I have a problem. How did that affect your business? Luckily, it didn't because I literally took care of this right away. It didn't affect my business, but affected it affected in the time of how people viewed me. And they thought I had a thing with the owner. And I didn't. From there, they took my voice away. And it was so hurtful. It was so hurtful. This is a place that for the majority, it was people that I felt comfortable with. And the wife didn't even live there very long. And then I'm banned for this photo. <laughs> like, it wasn't like I got in a fight, did anything. And I've never been told to leave somewhere before, let alone banned. And where was the owner in all of this? What did he ever say to you? So when I first contacted him and said, I'm so sorry, to, he's like, yeah, my wife's not happy about that blah, blah, blah. That was it. Then I was staying away. Then I contacted him about when the woman posted that and said, Yankee whore. I'm like, this has gotten out of hand. He said, these girls have gone crazy. That's all he said. Did nothing. That's all. So he understands that like, it's not me, but he's also not doing anything. Like 
it's funny. To this day, people said he should have just said Liz was tagging me in the photo. She said that. I knew that. And it was just a professional thing, but he never did. Because you also said you take the makeup artists and everybody else, correct? No, no, no. In New York, I was I was taught that you tag everyone. Makeup artists, hairstyles, everyone. In that photo shoot, I did my own makeup. I did my own hair. Gotcha. So there's no one else to tag. That makes sense. Right? Yep. So Instagram, I tagged the photographer, but I wasn't friends with the photographer on Facebook. So I only tagged the venue and him. And that was then. The only reason I even tagged him was because... I told him I was going to tag him so he had control of the photos of what he wanted to possibly promote. So it was just completely a professional layout. That that was it. And like, if I, if I honestly, if, if I wanted him, I, I, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, and that's where the whole thing went there. So I was like, okay, you don't like this photo? Well, now I'm going to put on a billboard. And I put on a billboard right outside the studio and the honky tonk and everything. And I put my company and everything exactly what it was meant to do, which was branding and everything. I made sure I put it on the billboard because you took away my voice. Well, here you go. Now you're going to pass by it every single day. Did you have any friends in Nashville that you kind of turned to for some help as well? No, because the one girl that was telling me who was my friend she told me that she started dating someone and he was friends with the, the owners as well. She went against me because she said she'll be damned that she loses another man. And she went against me. That's pathetic. It sounds like some high school girl drama stuff. Like you deal with like in senior high school. Oh, you have no idea. And these are yeah. grown women. Yeah. Yep. She said she'll be damned. She'd lose another man. And she totally went against me, went with them. And it's, it's funny. So this goes full circle, everything. So yeah, I felt very alone. I had no one. I felt alone. It was definitely the low part of a lot. Like I was dealing with some of my partner at the studio. And then the guy I was dating there broke up right before all this stuff. Ugh, it was a mess. So I just stayed away. I tossed my family back home, but like, I still had to go to my studio and pass by with these honky tonks for six months. What was the motivation for you to stand up for yourself and walk back into that club again? After the six months? Yeah. I'll tell you. So just real quick. So I started the kids program because I saw the Netflix show and I was like, wow, what these kids go through being bullied and they have no one to talk to and they take away their voice. And like, I couldn't change what these people thought of me, like the other people. They all thought of me in a way, and it wasn't true. And I thought about these kids, and that's how I created the anti-bullying through Country Fusion because I wanted a kids program, but I wanted a purpose. But literally, it was like it was a vision of I wanted something deeper, and I related to the kids in that moment because my voice was taken. People were looking at me in a different way. They were talking about me, and I had I couldn't even defend myself. I was banned. So six months later, one of the women that sing around here, her husband passed away. So they were having a benefit and they were looking for donations. And in the Valley, you're a family. So they were collecting the donations and they said to drop it off. So I walked in and dropped off my donation. When I walked in, the daughter came out to hug me. Rodney was there, the owner. 
And they said to me that they're like, you're welcome here. You're a good person. You're a good mom. And sorry. Did I, I just, I wasn't expecting it. And I was like, I need a minute. I need a minute. And they kept on going and everything. And, you know, you're a good person. You're a good mom. And, and they just kept on. I said, I know. I know. What made them change, if you know? Why after she is the harlot of Nashville, is it you're a good mom, you're a good teacher? A little bit of a change there. Yeah. So what happened was they had the time, those six months to experience those hateful people of me of their own. They saw those people that were extremely hateful. They got to experience them with themselves, with me not being in the picture. So I was more of like a decoy, like they put everything on me, but once I was gone. They ate themselves. Yep. Yep. And I knew that too. I knew it was so hurtful and everything. But I said, I know myself. I can put my head down on the pillow. I know what happened and everything will, the truth will shine and everything will come out in the wash. And I knew that. And it did. It took six months, but it did. So, what advice do you have for other adults who may be going through the same issue, just feeling like the world's against them, even though it's nothing that they did wrong? It's so hurtful because you feel so vulnerable. You feel defenseless. So I totally get it and understand what I did. I really dug deep in myself because I knew who I was. I did pray and I knew that things would come out and the truth would come out. And I stayed true to myself and I, and I love myself because I know I'm a good person. I have good intentions and everything. I knew it would come out. I really had faith in what God like will show because I had no control of anything else. And I just continued on my path and I felt protected and I just, kept on going forward and bettered myself and my dreams and my goals. And I started writing a book and it was something I wanted to do. And I didn't know if I was ever going to go back in the honky tonk. I had no idea. I, I had no idea what was going to happen, but I just kept on going forward in my path. I can't change the way people view and think of me, you know, but I, I know myself. So in an actionable way, what advice would you give to somebody else going through it? Take that energy and that pain and that hurt and better yourself. At the end of the day, you lost control. You feel vulnerable because you can't control what they're thinking, saying, or anything. But what you do have control of is your actions and yourself. So you take that hurt, take that pain, put it into yourself and better yourself. That's really, that's the only thing you have control over. You don't have control over other people. So my advice is, Yes, talk about it. If that makes you feel better, talk about it to people. But then really sit with your sit with yourself. Think about what's your goals? What are your dreams? What is it that you want? And instead of the depression and the sadness you're feeling, turn that into motivation and go in that direction. Go into a positive direction. Try to spin it into a positive, which is what I did. Please, in the wrap-up, you have this anti-bullying program, which is connected to dance. What's special about it? What makes it an anti-bullying program? So we're going to open up the program talking about bullying. So we want to be in schools and just make it kind of of a safe haven. We want to talk about, we want to talk about what bullying is and awareness and kind of make it an 
an area in a class to open up with for people that maybe that are being bullied and they have a place to talk about it. So we just want to talk about awareness, what it is, and who you could talk to if someone is bullying, and kind of make a comfort, safe haven for people, for kids. Then after that, we're going to have a fun dance fitness program. So they're getting exercise, they're feeling good, but then we're going to end the program with words of affirmation. So we are kinds, we are loved to instill that. So really it's about planting seeds of positivity and kindness and love and also having fun and fitness, but also creating an area for the kids to feel they could talk to someone. I love it. So if we wanted to contact you, if we wanted to find you, if we wanted to come dance with you, how would we do this? So the website is countryfusion.net. My email is elizabeth at countryfusion.net. And then Instagram is countryfusion LLC and the Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. And as for finding us, you can find us now on Facebook at our Karate Chop Bullying Support Group. Just search for it and we'll be there. Also, we would love to hear your story. So you can email that to us at karatechopbullying at gmail.com. If you yourself are being bullied and don't know where to reach out to, find more information at the government website at stopbullying.gov. You can also reach out to pacer.org backslash bullying. And if you find yourself dealing with dark thoughts, if you are thinking about harming yourself or even something even more, you can reach out to the National Suicide Hotline. And that phone number is very simple. It is 988. I'm Tim Flynn for Bruce Naxon. We are here to break the silence of bullying. Thank you for listening. We will continue this conversation next week.